So in the last few months, there's been a lot of talk about the Kenya police potentially leading a US-backed multinational force to the Caribbean nation of Haiti uh, to go and combat the gang violence going on over there. Some commentators within Kenya and the international community have been critical of the country's pledge to send a thousand policemen to Haiti and seem to even doubt the East African nation's capability to bring law and order to Haiti. So in light of all of that, I think it's worthwhile taking a look at the history of the Kenya police, uh, where it has its origins, its structure, its functions, and overall track record. That is exactly what this episode seeks to achieve, if you'll stick around with me. I'm Simon Bayani, and this is Africa in Retrospect. Hello and welcome to the third episode of our series on colonial police and militaries. Just a quick FYI to everyone out there, Africa in Retrospect is available in video form on YouTube as well as all the major audio podcasting platforms. I just thought I should throw it out there that depending on your preference, you can take the time to watch the videos on YouTube or you can go and listen to the audio on your favorite podcast platform. Now moving on to the topic of this episode, let's start off with the origins of the police in Kenya. From 1887 to 1896, the area known as British East Africa was ruled or administered by the Imperial British East Africa Company through a charter from the British government. In 1896, the British government assumed responsibility for the administration of British East Africa. And in that same year, the first sort of official police force was created in Mombasa. Then in 1897, the Uganda Railway Police was created to guard and oversee the construction of the railway line that was meant to link the interiors of Uganda and Kenya with the port city of Mombasa. By 1902, the Kenya Constabulary, which at this point had police stations in Mombasa, Nairobi and Kisumu, was uh, merged with the railway police to form what was called the British East Africa Police. Fast forward to 1920, British East Africa became the colony and protectorate of Kenya and naturally the name of the police force was changed from British East Africa Police to the Kenya Police. So up until the Second World War, the Kenya Police was mainly concerned with the urban areas while the native reserves were mainly taken care of by what was called the Tribal Police. But by the end of the Second World War, crime rates had risen significantly and the nature of crime itself had become so professionalized and organized uh, that the Kenya police then took over most of the activities from the tribal police. It is important to mention here that the Kenya police was an instrument of the colonial government. And so what this means is that the racial divisions that existed in the police force were a reflection of the deeper racial divisions in the broader colonial society. From its inception, the Kenya police consisted of high-ranking European officers, uh, middle-ranking Indian policemen, and of course the African rank and file. The Indians in the Kenya police were often assigned more responsible uh, roles and they overall had more status than their African counterparts. The European policemen on the other hand always had the respectable positions and they had more status than the Africans and the Indians. Also, because the Indians in the Kenya police tended to play sort of an intermediary role between the majority Africans and the minority Europeans, uh, they themselves seemed to enjoy uh, a level of authority over the African policemen. 
What's interesting about these racial divisions is that even though the Europeans considered the Africans to be inferior to them and the Indians, the whole colony would not have functioned without African participation. The Kenya police itself would have had serious staffing shortages if there weren't any Africans within its ranks. This was a clear representation of the evils of the colonial system, where one group subjugates the other and yet cannot do anything worthwhile without the participation of the subjugated group. Some of the major events in the history of the Kenya police came in the early 1950s with the rise of the Mau Mau movement. This was a political and somewhat religious movement of mostly the Kikuyu ethnic group which sought to overthrow British rule in Kenya. Although the movement is often referred to as Mau Mau, the actual resistance fighters called themselves the Kenya Land and Freedom Army or KLFA. Hostilities between the colonial government and the KLFA began in October 1952, leading the colonial government to declare a state of emergency in Kenya. Alongside the army and colonial administration, the Kenya police became heavily involved in this uh, Mau Mau emergency. Regular police work made way for military-style counterinsurgency campaigns. And by 1954, about 78,000 Africans were arrested through these campaigns even those who had nothing to do with the uprising. The Mau Mau emergency ended in 1957, and at the hands of the Kenya police, the army, and the colonial administration, about 160,000 to 300,000 Africans, mostly Kikuyu, had been forced into concentration camps and fortified villages where torture was the order of the day. In terms of Africanization and the Kenya police, by 1959, it had become clear to many in the colonial administration as well as the upper echelons of the police force that independence would come in or around 1963. And within that context, from about 1959, the Kenya police began to see some serious efforts at Africanization. In the CID and Special Branch, for example, European policemen were dropped from the training schedule and Africans added in their place. And by 1961, when independence was in site, the Africanization of the Kenya police became even more rapid. This was not only done in the police, but in the colonial administration too, which would become the civil service after independence. The elections were held in 1961, and ultimately, Kenya gained independence in December 1963. After independence, the Kenya police became involved in political intelligence work in support of the new African leadership. Now, this was hardly surprising when we consider the colonial past of the police force. Perhaps the only interesting thing is that it was the new African leadership that called on the police force to perform such duties. In 1969, for example, the new constitution in Kenya increased the presidential powers, which then enabled President Kenyatta to uh, suppress opposition and dissent using the police as a political tool. The new African political elite continued to use the Kenya police by over-policing the marginalized communities. The coercive tactics of the post-independence Kenya police were seen as early as 1963 during the Shifta War, where uh, the Somali people in the northern frontier district of Kenya tried to secede from the country and join Somalia. The Kenya Police's General Services Unit carried out what seemed to be a punishment against the Somali communities in Kenya. They forced civilians into protected villages, 
which were essentially concentration camps and killed off the livestock kept by Somali pastoralists. This was not at all different from what the colonial administration and the Kenya police had done uh, before independence during the Mau Mau uprising. The only difference was that this was now happening in a newly independent African country led by Africans. Now, throughout the last decade, including several times in 2023, the Kenya police has time and again been accused of police brutality when dealing with protesters, as well as other forms of misconduct such as harassment, uh, bribes, as well as extrajudicial killings. According to the International Justice Mission, an astounding number of people have disappeared or have been murdered at the hands of the Kenyan police. Apparently, one in three Kenyans has experienced police abuse or harassment. But as it stands at the moment, almost none of these cases make it to court. So now, to put this into perspective, the Kenya police might be going to Haiti to lead the fight against gang violence. Meanwhile, the same police force is being accused of atrocities that are no different from gang violence back home. On top of that, there are those who wonder if the Kenya police is even capable of bringing law and order to Haiti. Personally, I think that if historical evidence is anything to go by, then yes, the Kenya police is more than capable to handle the task at hand, although it won't be an easy task. And as it stands right now, we don't even know for sure that the Kenya police will end up going to Haiti. On November 16, 2023, the High Court in Nairobi blocked the Parliament's authorization of the mission, which is envisaged for February 2024. I will conclude by saying that there is a connection between the current perceptions of the Kenya police and those of the colonial police in Kenya. But if we are being honest, that is to be expected, especially when you are dealing with an organization that is rooted uh, in the colonial period. But what has changed, like I said earlier, is whose bidding this police force is doing now. Whereas in the colonial period, the police force was acting on behalf of the colonial state, the police is still doing the same today, only for a different master. I'm curious to know what you guys make of all of that. Is the police force to blame for its current reputation and all of the allegations leveled against it? Or does the problem lie with the government of the day? At any rate, that's all I had for you on this episode. If you are new here and this is your first episode, please be sure to go back and check out our other episodes. As always, this has been Simon Bayani with Africa in Retrospect.